ginger there, bread. You think you can wow me with a little Latin? I lived with Woody Allen until things got weird. Huh, that's funny. Listen, I gotta go. Yeah. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's not in chronological order. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Though, I'm always looking for a new adventure. Well, you're not going to find it here. It's a pretty by-the-numbers podcast every week. <laughs> that is true. We've got a structure. We stick to it. Everybody yeah. seems happy. Yeah, it's just pretty orderly. Yeah, yeah. We run a, a tight ship. <laughs> <laughs> Irony. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we do have two new countries to report this week, which I'm excited about. They are Lebanon and Botswana. Wow. I know. Uh, Botswana, the only thing that I know about it, that uh, I imagine some of our cousins have seen the movie The Gods Must Be Crazy, but uh, that movie was made there. Ah, I did not know that. It is the crown jewel in the Botswana film industry, I presume. Good to know. Yeah. If you know otherwise, please... Right in. We are upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. We can also be found on Twitter at, at 5 Maggie Smiths. And we're on Facebook. Just search Up Yours Downstairs. It's That's like right. we haven't said that in a while. No, you're right. You said that. I was like, boy. Yeah. We should be saying that every every podcast. Maybe that's, maybe that's it's a do. maybe it's a looser ship than I'd realized. There's <laughs> some be. planks loose, and now you're using those iron rivets again. Got to scrape some barnacles off and such. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. We've got some great telegrams from our cousins. First up, we have a letter from cousin Megan. I'm a little behind on my up yours downstairs listening. I recently started watching Game of Thrones, so Boar's Gore and Swords is taking up a little space on my podcast rotation. But I got really excited when I heard you talking about the possibility of a 70s house someday because MTV totally did that already. They told a bunch of people they were going to be on a real-world sort of show in the mid-2000s, but they were actually competing to see who would be the most 70s, complete with using proper slang and hanging out in rooms with shag carpet. I don't remember much of what exactly they had to do to prove they were the most 70s, but there was a thing where at any moment a buzzer could go off that would be followed with the hustle, and everyone had to stop what they were doing to do the hustle until the music stopped. Not quite a key party, but I think the producers tried to do it when people were doing something that would make a dancing interruption inappropriate. I'm glad you're telling us all about Julian Fellows' Titanic so I don't have to watch it. I usually listen to your podcast on my commute, and cars passing me must think I'm high from my random bursts of laughter. Don't smoke and drive, kids, but maybe don't up yours downstairs and drive either. Keep up the good work, Megan. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, uh, first of all, it's not really exactly how I pictured 70s House. Yeah, 70s House should be, like, produced by PBS with, like, Mia Farrow narrating it or something, <laughs> you know? Like, right. in the 1970s. <laughs> I lived with Woody Allen until things got weird. <laughs> yeah. No, but well, I, I looked this up on Wikipedia today. Yeah. Uh, well, I was also in a completely unrelated story researching the the TV show Swingtown. Ah. Uh, but that had to do more with Jack Davenport of coupling. and some, You know what? It's not important <laughs> it's really... why I was looking at Swingtown. <laughs> it's not. Uh, what is important is that this sounds like the worst, best <laughs> show ever. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was kind of like, um, you know, it was part Big Brother, but also kind of part Survivor, because, like, I think, like, the two people who'd been, like, the least 70s in any <laughs> given episode then had to, like, have a 70s off at the end. Wow. But, I mean, it wasn't, like, the real world, you know, they weren't, they weren't trying to, like, 
have jobs or anything. I uh-huh. think they were just like getting really kitschy. Yeah. But I mean, if this was in the 90s, like there was that brief sort of period in the 90s. Yeah, we were, like yeah. the 70s. And then everyone was like, oh, God, the 70s. <laughs> and we like ran so far away. Uh, that was the 80s. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did not look on YouTube to see if there's any episodes of this, but I definitely mm. could see knocking back a few drinks or possibly uh, smoking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some of that herb that was so popular in the 70s. It was quite popular. <laughs> If I've learned anything from that 70s show, and I haven't. <laughs> um, but <and> it also, <laughs> the other thing that that made me think about was that, you know, A, that's not what I was picturing. That's the, the 70s house to be like. And then what, like if Manor House, like they're done, rung a bell and everybody had to do the grizzly bear all of a sudden. <laughs> I want to do it right now, but no one can see me. But. <laughs> Um, no, well, and you know, the first reality show, uh, An American Family, right? right? That was in the 70s, wasn't it? I think so. The clothes were very 70s-esque, which right. had, that could still put it in the, the first half of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. But as you and I frequently discussed, decades, at least until the internet age, didn't flip <laughs> over until about five years into the new decade. Now it's more like three. Yeah. Uh, and probably getting shorter all the time. I would imagine. It'll probably be, you know, the 2020s, you know, three years before the 2020s. It can happen any minute now. Mm -hmm. Get ready, people. Yeah. Laser cars. (laughs) All right. Laser cars. Robot flappers. We called it. (laughs) (laughs) Charleston. 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 That's a mis... That's a malfunctioning (laughs) robot flapper. Made in Foxconn assembly plant and... Shanghai. I don't know where the Foxconn assembly plant is. It's the one that like was having that slave labor where they make the iPhones. Mm, with the people killing themselves? Right. Hey, the new iPhone was announced though today, <laughs> so I hope you all ran out and got one. Yeah. Those uh, factory workers aren't going to kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it would be good for a local economy, I would imagine. Yeah, so. that's true. We're in the Bay Area. Right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, on. thank you, Megan. <laughs> yes. You have sparked quite the conversation. Yes. Uh, Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Jenny, who writes, Hello, dearest cousins. I was reading a book today that talked about the fad of rich people hiring a hermit to live on their estate, presumably to add color or maybe for good luck or something. Anyway, this suddenly jogged my memory, and I thought I remembered this on Manor House. Am I totally crazy? I watched it some 10 years ago and wasn't able to rewatch for your recap, so I could just be making this up. Please advise. Yours most faithfully, Cousin Jenny. And Jenny is spelled J-E-N-N-E. Pronounced like Jenny, but fancier. Yes. Which I approve of. Oh, right. Um, I had to try really hard not to laugh super hard uh, about the concept of a hermit <laughs> living somewhere for good luck. Right. But it is... I, no, I know that I've heard of this, and I feel yeah. like maybe it was in the shooting party, because like... Mm. There's this guy who's like a vegetarian pamphleteer, uh-huh. and he like goes out and pamphlets people against their will while his wife stays home and stups some other guy sure anyway listen don't read that book first of all second of all i feel like because like he shows up during the shoot and i think people think that he is Mm. the local you know the estate hermit yeah see it struck me and again i've heard of it but i can't remember where it strikes me in my memory as being more of a victorian thing because i know there was a fad in victorian times to put like a ruin on your estate uh-huh. somewhere, like a ruined water wheel or Is something. Is that like then that. where the that Greek thing oh, comes from on point. Downton Abbey? That that is almost certainly what yeah. that is. Yeah. 
Yeah. And probably authentic as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll look into that for the long-rumored Fashion Backwards Repeats History episode, which we swear is happening. I, I bought a book. I have <laughs> several books. We're going to read them sometime when TV stops being so compelling. <laughs> Look, Breaking Bad is over now. That's true. And we still got like three weeks before new fall shows yeah, really kick in. Yeah, that's true. So you can count on us until something more interesting comes along. <laughs> right. Next up, we have a telegram from Cousin Karen. Dear Cousins Kelly and Tom, just wanted to tell you how much I love the podcast. As an enthusiast for the Edwardian pre-World War I era, I love your discussion of history and social manners. And of course, I love the catharsis of being able to agree that, yes, Lord O.C. is such a douche and laughing at your hate on for Bates. <laughs> One little piece of information you might be interested in. So far, I've heard the telegrams from the cousin section of your last podcast, and I don't think anyone mentioned this tidbit. I was watching the first episode of Manor House on YouTube and saw that one commenter identified himself as none other than Master Guy himself. Quite a few commenters took the opportunity to ask questions, and one of the things Guy mentioned was that his parents are now divorced. While I can't confirm this from another source, it would not surprise me in the least. I can't wait to hear your discussion of Fellows Titanic, which I'm actually listening to as I type. And I am sincerely, sincerely sorry I didn't email you earlier so I could warn you just how awful it is. It was my interest in the Titanic that spawned my interest in that whole era, and it's tied for the worst four hours I've ever spent on a Titanic movie slash series with what I remember of the 1996 mini miniseries, and I include the animated movie. Yes, I've seen it, and you really, really need to see the Nostalgia Critics review of it. All right. Though I say I spent four hours on it, which isn't entirely true. I made liberal use of the 30-second skip-ahead button on our DVR, and I'm surprised it survived the experience. I don't know if you saw any of the articles interviewing fellows prior to the Titanic miniseries, but he was often quoted as saying his series was going to be about so much more of the whole ship as opposed to James Cameron's love story set against the sinking of the Titanic. From the little I could bear to watch back in April, I have some quibbles with that considering most of the characters are made up. I also have some doubts about its historical accuracy, but anything more on that score will have to wait until my request for the DVDs comes in at the local library. And as a side note, Julian Fellows, you spent a lot of time talking about how your miniseries was the best ever before it set sail, so to speak. Your miniseries about the Titanic. <laughs> Did you learn nothing? This one definitely ran full speed ahead into the iceberg of suck and sank like a stone. Anyway, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Fellows Titanic, as well as whatever topics you pursue in future episodes. Sincerely, Canadian Cousin Karen, who wishes this Titanic had given her amnesia at least about those four hours. Well, thank you. Yes. That uh, interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I, I have yet to go and check out those comments from Master Guy. Right. Uh, we did get another message, which I didn't read, mm -hmm. uh, from a cousin, and I apologize for not mentioning your name, but I will do so later. <laughs> but she actually found both of the OC kids on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I don't know. Don't contact them or, like, bug them or anything. Right. But if you want to see what they look like... Right. Guy turned out real handsome, mm. and Jaunty looks like Harry Potter with a wasting disease. Like, <laughs> but anyway, please don't harass them or bother them or tell them about this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We don't like to think about the fact that they're real people. You never heard of them. <laughs> uh, yes. And, uh, well, obviously, we have a lot to say about Julian <laughs> Fellows Titanic. Yes. Uh, coming up on Julian Fellows Titanic Part 2 iceberg boogaloo <laughs> uh 
But, you know, I watched that 1996 Titanic, and granted, I was all of, you know, 14, 13 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. I think that one was better than this one. Okay. And maybe I'm just saying that because it had Catherine Zeta-Jones and Peter Gallagher. I mean... Like, the only scene I remember <laughs> is of them in bed during the church service. Oh, and yeah. And Catherine Zeta-Jones is like, because we're sinners. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to church, Mom. <laughs> Gonna hang out with Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. <laughs> Um, no, but I'd I'd have to watch it again, but Mm. I just, I can't imagine it would be worse than this one. You know, we liked this. We watched the second part before tonight. We rewatched it tonight. We liked it better after the first viewing. (laughs) We were like, we were less angry. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to the Cameron versus fellows. Yeah. You know, yeah. non-matchup. Like, it's we really won't. not a contest. And additionally, we've got to look into this animated... Oh, my God. <laughs> at some point. Yeah. That might be higher on the priority <laughs> list than the uh, Fashion Backwards Repeats history. <laughs> that one, I feel like we almost would want to do, like, a riff tracks on. Oh, right. Or, you know, and just, I don't know, something. Yeah. We'll, we'll, th- we'll think of something yeah. for it. Yeah. Copious amounts of alcohol, I think. <laughs> They've got a mariachi band made up entirely of mice. <laughs> Let's make margaritas. I No, that sounds like a great, awful plan. Yes, indeed. Our next telegram comes from Cousin Mrs. Grant, who writes, Dear Honorable Lady Kelly and Sir Tom, You guys, your last podcast was hilarious. The fact that I was Cousin of the Week certainly made it my favorite one. Thank you so much. I ran around telling people about it. Kind of foolish, considering nobody around here listens to the podcast. But I don't care. I'm proud. This is going to be short. Just want to tell you that I really wouldn't care if you don't do the second half of the Titanic. I only watched one episode, but by the end, I was surfing to web and ironing at the same time. I didn't care about any character, and I just kind of wish they would all die already. What a banged-up job Julian Fellows did. I'm sure your cousins will all feel the same way. I won't hold it against you if you stick it out, though. On the other hand, may I lobby for Foresight Saga? I really hated so many people in that show, but at least I cared about one person, and you can actually follow the script, even though there were like ten main characters. But at least it is not 79. When you two hate people in the show, it makes your podcast super funny. That's why I'm lobbying for FS. I really want to hear your description of the characters and how ridiculous the plot is. Also, it is about the middle class. The people who want so bad to be upper class. It's the second class on the Titanic, you guys. Please consider seriously. Your faithful servant, Mrs. Grant. All right. Well, this is not the first impassioned plea for the Foresight Saga that we've had. Mm -hmm. It might be the most impassioned one. That's true. Um, No, but it's very convincing. And, you know, granted, you know, we were kind of focused more on, like, Manor House and Titanic and things that we knew about. Right, right. Uh, But, yeah, this is definitely a possibility. Mm -hmm. You know, we're definitely going to be... running out of things to do after we get through <laughs> series three of Downton Abbey. Uh, no, true. so yeah, so we'll definitely, we're definitely seriously considering that. Yeah. And um, we're glad you're, you're proud of being cousin of the week. Yeah. I, I do want to know how you managed to iron and surf the web at the same time. That sounds dangerous, Mrs. Yes. Grant. <laughs> Don't hurt maybe, yourself. Maybe she's got one of those new smart irons. Ooh. <laughs> the eye iron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but and I so empathize with that because indeed, by the first, by watching the first episode, I was surfing the web and taking notes at the same time, and like, yeah, yeah, like, uh, well, we were doing research too. That's true, and we had previously watched it before. True, true. I think before we were eating pizza, so our hands were full. <laughs> <laughs> Just another healthy meal here <laughs> at Casa de Shenanigan. <laughs> uh, and speaking of cousins of the week, 
We have our cousin of the week for this week, our third cousin twice removed, Cousin Miranda. She writes, Dearest Cousins Kelly and Tom, I was listening to your Downton podcast for the third time when I heard the mention of Downton Abbey Bingo. Given the number of predictable events that can occur in a single episode, I was sure that someone else would have created some boards. A Google search later, I discovered that no one had made the boards. Appalled at the lack, I created two boards. They're meant more for someone who's watching the entire series in one fell swoop. Anyway, I've attached them to this telegram. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, they're great. They're really great. It's like uh, Anna is nice to someone. Yeah. O'Brien manipulates McGee. Uh, Thomas's scheme fails. You know, <laughs> yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mr. Bates refuses to stand up for himself. Mm. So we'll be posting those uh, for you folks who maybe are doing a, uh, a rewatch either this weekend or leading up to the premiere right, in right. the States in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, or other people who are just discovering it for the first time. Yeah. So that'll be available uh I'm not totally sure what format. So just once this podcast airs, <laughs> that decision will have been made. Right. <laughs> so just keep an eye out. Yeah, just get your get your daubers out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you so much, Miranda. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and it's fantastic that nobody else was doing this. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And if anybody has any artwork they want to contribute, uh, they're just... They're like straight up bingo cards, y'all. Like this is like serious bingo. <laughs> yeah. But if anybody has any artwork they want to add or suggestions, uh, let us know and we'll see if we can uh, yeah, put something together. Yeah. Slap that together. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, so we're going to say this one more time, <laughs> just once more, because it does keep coming up. We are waiting until January 6th, yes. the U.S. premiere of Downton Abbey on PBS. We will have our first Series 3 podcast up as soon as the Eastern Time uh, finishes. Yeah. So that's when that's happening. Right. Uh, In the meantime, we will continue doing other stuff. Yes. So we will still be podcasting, but we will not be podcasting about Series 3. Right. We're trying really hard to remain spoiler-free. So please, if you could refrain from sending any telegrams or like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. We would really appreciate it. You know, do your best. We'll do our best. We recognize it's the information age. Yes. And so on. Yeah. So, you know, rule number one, just don't be jerks. Yeah. And we will respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, what we are going to do is live tweet the Emmy Awards. Yes. That's on September 23rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is at 4 p.m. Pacific time and 7 o'clock Eastern time. Yes. So we will be tweeting probably just from the Up Yours Downstairs account. Mm-hmm. With our two minds as one. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, just, and it's just gonna be the easiest because not everybody follows our personal accounts, which frankly are, are nothing to write home about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that is the plan for the Emmys. Uh, Downton Abbey is nominated for a ridiculous number, I think 69 or something. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's from something Mrs. Grant said on Twitter. So, I'm just, <laughs> Mrs. Grant, I'm taking your word for that because I've, I've been busy. But it's nominated for plenty. And, and they're they're a, a series this time and not a mini series, right. which so I really up against it. Like it'll be interesting think, to see what they can come home with. I feel like that's kind of a bad move. I mean, you know, I agree, and I don't know to what extent there are like you know guidelines determining what you're allowed to submit as. I don't think so because they yeah. did the first one as a mini series, and it was the same number of episodes. All right. Yeah. I mean, their prestige grew significantly. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, because the last Emmys, they won everything. Because right, miniseries right. typically aren't that great. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but now you know they're going up against both Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Right, right. And whatever else, I don't know what else the closer. I, I I don't I don't know what else is going on. If it's not on, <laughs> I guess Game of Thrones. Yeah, Boardwalk yeah. Empire maybe. Yeah, like if it's not on AMC or HBO, I haven't heard of it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I mean, if yeah. nothing else, there'll be plenty of sparkly dresses to chat about, <laughs> and I'm sure people will be behaving badly. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be a good time. We'll, we'll find some oh, enjoyment. Yeah. I, I, I'm we'll come sure. up with some fun drinking games. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we'll get to make fun of Baron Julian's face. That would be exciting. That would be great. Yeah. So yeah, mark your calendars, uh, get some snacks, whatnot, <laughs> and, uh, we'll see you on the 23rd for, mm-hmm. uh, live tweeting madness. Yeah. And I think that's all the uh, the housekeeping. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think we're ready here. We got our we got our podcasting pants on. We do. We're uh, and yeah, we're ready to bring you the exciting third and fourth conclusions of Titanic. Don't lie, it is not exciting. <laughs> well, it is the third and fourth conclusions. Yes. So we start out with uh, with the siege of yeah. Sydney Street. Oddly enough. Um, yeah, that is not on the Titanic. That's not like a theme restaurant. Yeah, nor does it in you know actual historical reality have any particular relationship with the Titanic. It was a situation where some thieves, you know, with some sort of... It, it, the Wikipedia article was not really clear to what extent they were really tied to leftist movements versus just sort of accused of it because they were immigrants from Latvia or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but in any case, they robbed some jewelers, uh, were caught, killed some cops, and uh, hold themselves up in this house. They were surrounded but they and vastly outnumbered, but they had much better guns than the police did. Uh, Winston Churchill, who was home secretary at the time, ordered in some troops. He ordered in the Scots Guard. He was bringing in an artillery piece. And the house that they were in caught fire at some point during this, and Winston Churchill would not let the fire brigade uh, have access, and he just had everybody lined up outside the doors waiting for the the criminals to come out. Uh, But they never did, and their remains were found uh, burned in the house. And that's sort of what happened. There was a lot of controversy about it, apparently for reasons that aren't entirely clear to me. I mean, one aspect of it was that uh, the police upgraded their guns because they realized the criminals had all the good latest guns. and they Yeah, couldn't. escalation. That's, that's right. That is the case. Um, and, uh, yeah, and this mysterious Peter the Painter, who in this reality in Titanic was uh, Peter Luboff that's on the boat, uh, nobody really knows who he was or if he really existed. There are some theories. But the one interesting thing about it is the type of gun they use, the Mauser C96, in the shootout, what that type of gun was then in to Irish revolutionaries known as a Peter the Painter uh-huh. uh, for years thereafter because it had proved his worth in killing British cops, which was something near and dear to the heart of Irish revolutionaries. Yeah. So there's no indication if this Peter the Painter is an actual person or that if he was real, he had any connection with Right. revolutionary. Yeah, okay. like basically one of the people involved had like stayed with somebody named Peter the Painter mm-hmm. at one point, but it was like, I just found it very unclear what had happened. This may be a situation where we need an actual book yeah. and not a Wikipedia. But then I didn't really care. But what, is really, <laughs> well, what is really interesting about it though is that uh, there's there was a lot of newsreel footage of it and you can find it on the internet. 
And it's just, it's just like things that happen today. There's sort of things going off in the distance and a bunch of soldier or a bunch of policemen all kind of standing around. And then like all the families in the neighborhood just sort of like standing on their doorway and like looking around. Yeah. Like, Something's happening. We don't know what. Want to, want to see if we can get a good look at it. And you know, I mean, it was just really, it was, it was interesting to yeah. see that. Well, we should post that for everybody to check out. So yeah. check, check <laughs> our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. Probably yeah. it will be there. <laughs> Yeah, so that happens, and then I think we wind up, we see how Paolo got on the boat. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was with Mario, and they ran into second officer Charles Lightoller, and, you know, they were short of Stewart, and he was like, oh, you know, let let the Italians in. I'm enlightened. I'm enlightened. And then the other guy's like, oh, no, that's a different guy. (laughs) Yeah. But so, yeah, they, they let him in, and then it turns out that Mario had gotten one of the other stewards drunk the night before so that there would be an opening. The first time that I heard this, I thought he broke his legs because he said he may walk again. I was uh, like, oh! <laughs> but I realized this time he simply... Yeah. Simply he, gave him, he gave him his sea legs a bit early. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Uh, then we At see... At least that's what he told Apollo. He may yeah. have killed him. I don't think so. <laughs> don't Mario think doesn't so seem like a murderer. Uh, so then we see Peter Lubov... He is Italian, you know. Shh! <laughs> We see Peter Lubov wandering around outside, and someone calls him the Wandering Prophet. Right. Which we weren't able to find any sort of... I mean, it This must like... be... Because doesn't Julian Fellows like to make up his own crap? It, possibly. Because, yeah, He's all like I could Aaron find, Sorkin. All I could find was that it's a challenge in The Sims Medieval, and uh, a bunch of people have it as their MySpace profile name. <laughs> but uh, that's about all I could find <laughs> about the Wandering Prophet. And uh, we get some shots of everybody, like, oh, going into their berths, and, like, the music is super jaunty. And I'm like, don't be fooled by the optimistic music. I've seen the first two parts. It's not, you're not going to a new life. You're going to a watery grave. So just uh, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. We see more of Paolo and Annie up in the, is it the first class dining room? Yes, because okay. those Russians are there later. Right, he's, right, right. I think he's setting up for them at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it was, anyway, whether it was then or not. Anyway, his supervisor comes over and is all like, bah, 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 bah. I'm racist. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much that scene. Yeah. You know, it's just Paolo and Annie being cute. Right. And they're very they're cute. They're super cute. They're cute. And uh, Peter Lubov and Mrs. Maloney, who presumably has a first name. Anna? I think it's I, Anna. I don't know. Molly? Something. Bridget, Shannon. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Katie. Yeah. An Irish name. <laughs> Probably she's got one. Um, there's 79 characters right. in this show. There's just no way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they you know they bring the sexy. Annie and Paolo bring the cute. Everybody else, fuck them. <laughs> right. I did notice though because we get the scene with. The Maloney's down in the the pub or whatever for the steerage passengers with Peter Lubov, uh-huh. where she's all like shell shocked, and right. he's like, "Here's your spool of thread. Why don't you not act completely obvious that we used to bang?" Yeah, it's one of several scenes. There's another one actually just before that when I don't even know who that guy is that comes up and like knows Peter Lubov, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You're very familiar to me." He's the Scots guard from that first scene. Right. That's why like, that scene's in there. Right. I just don't know why it exists. 
to create pointless conflict that is not resolved to satisfaction. Right. This is a this is a fellows joint, Tom. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is going to go the whole time. Yeah. No, just to put a weird obstacle right. in Peter Lubov's way yeah. for no particular reason. Yeah. Cuz I'm like, I'm like really isn't isn't just you having had sex with that Irish woman interesting enough? I'm plenty interested. I, yeah, really. Which I wish we would have had more of that. Agreed. They could have done it during church services like Catherine Zeta-Jones and Peter Gallagher. They could have gone down to the hold and done it in a car. They could have done it a lot of places. <laughs> it's a big ship. <laughs> um, anyway, but we do get a much fuller picture of the fashion across cl- uh, class lines here. Because, mm. you know, you see uh, Mrs. Maloney wearing, you know, a nice shirt waist and, and right, uh, right. you know, a skirt and everything. Um, and, you know, and obviously uh, Muriel Batley, you know, she dresses nicely, but not quite as well as the upper class women. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, shirts and skirts were definitely, they were fashionable for the upper class women, but I think they were more common for women who were, you know, beginning to emerge into the working class and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um but yeah, I really and I really like especially Mrs. Maloney's outfits. I know she, you know, they're in steerage and she's upset. You know, they should right, be right. in second class. Right. Um, I thought th- no, I thought are they in steerage? They are in steerage. That's right. She that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mentions it yeah, yeah, yeah. frequently. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. Yeah, she was. You know, no, the only like the only people in second class are uh, Toby Jones. Yeah, they always do that. Yeah. Well, I guess we're gonna have to watch the Foresight Saga. I guess so. Um. And yeah, so then Lubov is then in in the other pub. I, he's in like every pub. Yeah, like how many pubs are there? Look, he he's not Peter the Painter for no reason. Mm. He can't talk his way into any pub. He feels like he can talk his way into my pub. <laughs> I mean, look, he he's made that very clear. Oh yeah, he did. He does well anyway. Yeah. So yeah, this this Scots Guard officer. And Peter Lubov handled this terribly. Like, rather than when this guy was, like, staring him down, instead of, like, leaving and going somewhere else, he just sits there for this guy to come be like, oh, hey, I was in the Scots Guard. He's like, leave me alone. (laughs) Like, seriously? What? You're not even... He doesn't even work for them anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And and then he's like, because he says, you look very familiar to me, he's like, and he stands up and gets in his face. He's like, I'm not familiar to you. I'm like, why don't you just say, huh, that's funny. Listen, I gotta go. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Oh, I have a twin. Like any, literally anything. <laughs> yeah. Are you blind in one eye? Like, there's so many other responses. Like, in case you didn't notice, I'm in the middle of this book. I'm gonna go read it now. You jerk. Mm-hmm. No, well, and I mean, I feel like it's a, you know, it's a critique for the series as a whole. There's so many interesting ways it could have gone, and yet it chose the worst way <laughs> in every instance. Yeah. Well, and I think. You know, I mean, this sort of applies to everything, but just by Titanic is a tough place to set this kind of story Mm -hmm. because all the stories are going to the same place, Mm -hmm. you know, a watery grave. And and so, like, how can I get interested in, you know, this person's a revolutionary that's missing and this these two are falling in love and this, you know, these this couple is having a fight and all this sort of thing. Mm When I know that they're all just going to be on the sinking ship. Like, that's going to overwhelm all these other... Well, and here again is where we get into the Cameron comparison, mm-hmm. which I just don't understand why anybody bothers trying to tell a story. And I, I've got an open mind about 
Titanic Blood and Steel uh-huh. because that's telling a different story. That it is a different story. But it's like he took all of the elements that worked from James Cameron's and just spread them out over so many stories. Yeah. And well, <sighs> Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I noticed. There was one um when the the brief shot we got in the boiler room this time where um the uh the water breaks in to the boiler room and uh-huh. the, the, the doors come down and two of them are trapped in there and they can't get out. And the one of them says, like, he's like, I don't think we're getting out, man. And the other guy says, well, let's use the time the best we can then. And they go back to, like, mm-hmm. shoveling for... Yeah, they're trying to put the fires out uh-huh. so that it doesn't spread. Right. And, uh, like, that was, a, that was a sort of little moment... Or not so it doesn't spread, so that the steam doesn't get... I, for good for whatever reasons, reasons boiler trust, people do stuff yeah i trust that they have a good reason for doing that and the, those are the sort of moments that uh james cameron's titanic had all over the place just little bits of moments mm-hmm. with people that we didn't learn their whole backstory we just saw them in the situation dealing with it yeah because we only had one story to follow mm-hmm. in james cameron's version we're like okay we care about what these people are trying to do, and everybody else's just sort of well, everybody else's story is the Titanic. And the story that he chose to tell encompassed class conflict. It encompassed, mm-hmm. you know, a star-crossed romance. It yeah. encompassed sex appeal. It encompassed, you know, another relationship that wasn't working. Right. You know, all these things. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we're not here to say that you know James Cameron's Titanic is above reproach. It's no. It look, and we'll get to that. Plenty of valid grounds it's for just reproach, but. That I mean, it's such a melodramatic story, mm-hmm. and we were talking about it, and, you know, why not just follow one sort of anonymous person mm-hmm. just from their perspective? So you yeah. never see the call to the bridge, and you right. never see, uh, you know, Bruce Ismay jumping in a lifeboat yeah. or any of these other things. Right. All you see is just this one person, because what's compelling about that is that it is this limited perspective. Right. And that, I mean, that is how people experience life, yeah. you know, uh, not to blow anybody's mind here. <laughs> right. But I mean, again, that's a story that hasn't been told about mm-hmm. the Titanic. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody always wants to make it this huge sweeping story. Whereas if you took it down to the micro level, right. then suddenly you have a new story. And if you have a guy who is, you know, a disillusioned revolutionary who's fleeing on the Titanic to find a better life for himself, yeah. then those details become relevant and they become important and you can invest in that story. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just trying to tack on all these details because you feel like you have to distinguish yourself somehow right. from the most meticulously detailed <laughs> production of Titanic of all time. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> James Cameron's is the second most meticulously detailed of all time after the original exactly, Titanic. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, that's the only... <laughs> you know, unless you're Doctor Who, you're not going to see a better version. Mm-mm. He was on the Titanic. I assumed as much. Or some sort of... I think, was was that the one with Kylie Minogue? Oh, I think it was. Oh. I think that was the Space Titanic. Shudder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway... Future Titanic adapters. Uh, yes. Please, please do something different. Oh, We know you're out there. Secondly, I wanted to mention this, even though it's kind of apropos of nothing. All right. I'm not a huge fan of the musical Titanic. I think it's kind of facile and dull. Uh, but I did used to own the original cast recording. And I once okay. participated in a musical theater workshop with a woman who played uh, Alice something or other. <sighs> I feel like I should know that. Anyway. She was, a second, she was a second class passenger. Who cares, right? Uh, right. 
Not me. <laughs> Alice Bean. Okay. That's who she played. But the there's a, a song in there that's sung by one of the Boiler Stokers that's oh, just yeah. one of the most beautiful songs in musical theater. So yeah. uh, I think the role is actually played by Brian Darcy James, who's on Smash. Oh, okay. Um, with Jack Davenport. See, now I've brought it all back together and made it relevant. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's just amazing. It's just about working in the boiler room, and it's it's very sort of anamana poetic. Okay. Uh, so anyway, if you're interested, get on Spotify or whatever and check that song out. Uh, there's a couple other good songs. Ladies' Maid is good. Mostly though, it is not good. Okay. That's my thirty this is second. Ben Kelly's <laughs> musical corner. <laughs> oh, it's a mansion. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, then we get everybody in, in church and we see right. the lower classes at a Catholic mass. Yes. I'm not 100% sure. Cause I just realized that the research that I did was for America uh-huh. post Vatican II, but they have the priest facing, uh, the populace. Right. And it should actually be the other way. He you should be facing but- away towards the, uh, altar the tabernacle the tabernacle that's um but it's not clear to me like if they had a tabernacle so maybe if they didn't have a tabernacle that wasn't necessary right but they would have been giving communion and consecrating hosts so yeah you would think yeah so i'll look into that some more maybe but i i was very put out Uh, i was like that is not what it would you think you can wow me with a little latin yeah baron fellows yeah no you can't it was so much more than latin pre-vatican ii it was so uh, Lubov is down there, and he's, like, talking to uh, Mr. Maloney, and he's like, I'm going to go up and see the Anglican service, because they let anybody in, and it's in first class. <laughs> and I'm like, hells to the yes. Yeah. Go do that. Yeah. Uh, so then Mrs. Maloney is like, oh, I'm going to go, too. And I'm like, you are the worst. Yeah. Well, Lubov does such a good job of selling it by saying he's always up for an adventure. Uh-huh. You know, adventures. Going to Anglican Mass. Banging married chicks. Mm. That's. Uh, yeah. Those two are on my bucket list, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Anglican Mass, bang a married chick. Yeah, boy, you're over two so far. You gotta. <sighs> Do I count as a married chick? Well, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. You could be onto something with that. I don't know. There's those Episcopals down the block, which is sort of the same thing. It's mostly the same, but I feel like I wanna be a purist about this. All right. So, England, here I come. Okay. Uh, so they get up there in mass and we finally find out what he said to her. Right. When Julian Fellows didn't tell us before for no (laughs) reason. Yes. But he was like, don't be frightened by the strength of your feelings. Right. And she gets all upset. Like, is it Star Wars? (laughs) She gets all upset and he's like, no, no, that's the text for today's sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Little known. No, she gets up and moves one seat away from him. Oh, right. I'm like, uh, have you seen the man's forearms? I don't think that's going to... That's well, not and enough... Have you seen... That is not out of the range of his sexual magnetism. Mm-hmm. Like, we're sitting on our couches at home and we're not out of range. No. Like, we are... You're right there. We are mesmerized. By Dragos. His name is Dragos, people. <laughs> the actor. The actor, yes. The actor's name is Dragos. 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 Bucer or Bucor. I'm not sure if, how to pronounce if it. If you're out there, we'd love to have you on as a guest. <laughs> On the podcast. It's true. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, we have Romanian listeners. We or had at least one at one point. We also have a podcast. This <laughs> right. is not just a ruse. <laughs> 
for us to gaze at your beautiful bedroom eyes. <laughs> um, down in the uh, berth that the uh, brothers Sandrini? I, I believe it's Sandrini. Yeah. Because it sounds like such a fellow's idea of a freaking Italian name to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're down in their berth and Paolo's like, I love this girl. I want her to marry me. And his brother's like, uh, maybe you want to wait until you're not on a boat anymore. <laughs> like, see what else is out there. It's like, no, they got a priest right upstairs. Yeah. It's fine. But Paolo will not be deterred. That's right. Even though he has nothing to offer her but his dreams. And his, his big brother Mario. I love these two, by the yeah. way. This is the yeah. other thing that really works for me is the relationship between the two brothers. Right, agreed. And I don't know if it's just because they're speaking Italian and they're probably like translating it way better than Julian Fellows can into I mean, English. <laughs> that's that's part of it. But also it's just it's an interesting relationship. You know, like those you know, two brothers in that situation, which is a very like recognizable common relationship, but not one that I feel like I see all no, that well, often. And it feels very fresh. Well, and yeah. it's like they're they're very close and they look out for each other, but there's no but they're not in each other's business. No, per and there's, se. there's they no respect animosity. Each other's boundaries. Yeah, they're 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 a very healthy relationship. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is nice to see. Yeah. Granted, I realize that you know the healthy relationship hour would make for very boring television. <laughs> But it has a nice, a nice fit here. Yeah, it yeah. feels it feels good. Every time you see them in a scene in this thing, you're like, oh, I'm not gonna want to stab my eyes out for a minute. <laughs> then so. it's on to the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! In the next scene, how did they make Lindsay Marshall, who is a beautiful, beautiful woman, who also, incidentally, Lindsay Marshall? Yeah. If you want to come over, oh, with a uh, what's his name? Dragos. Dragos. I keep wanting to call him Drogo, and that's not correct. Uh, Ha-ha! Hey! Game of Thrones reference for our crossover fans. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, my God. She's so beautiful, and they have made her look so ugly. Yeah. Well, it's like they decide... It's like Julian Fellows is like, "Uh, give her the O'Brien treatment. No! They were like, but she she played Cleopatra. She's gorgeous. O'Brien! She looks hideous. Yeah. And I mean, and just like her face looks haggard and like she's supposed to be under yeah. all this stress. Right. I mean, part and of I it is like a choice. And I kind of buy that, but I also don't buy how upset she is. Like, and I mean, I don't think it's her fault. I think she was given this direction. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you're maybe underestimating a little bit. I mean, it is like, Yeah, you know, I guess if, if my she... dad was dying and I was on a ship, I'd steal something too. Yeah. And well, be upset. plus, you know, again, like... Get, she gets caught stealing that brooch. Her life is over. Yeah, that's you know? true. I guess the problem is that they just it's, that whole situation. It's prostitution for her, and with that hairdo, oh, <laughs> she'll be lucky for tuppence. <laughs> tuppence a wank. <laughs> um, I guess the problem for me is like I think that Julian Fellows thought that like setting her up with that book situation was the same as developing that character's relationship with her dad. Yeah. And it's not. It's not. Because that didn't make any sense. Right. It still doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. I needed to know earlier well, that her just, dad was so poorly. It's Yeah, that's because... And, I mean, the thing about the, the, the chronology of how he does these things here is I, I think I get why he did it, mm-hmm. which a big part of it was because otherwise... 
the second two of your four hours are just people running back and forth screaming. Mm-hmm. And you feel like people get sick of that, and I get it. Not me. <laughs> right. I'm into realism. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I understand that philosophy, but it it hurts way more things, I think, than it helps. It does. And that's a perfect yeah, example. Because... You know, he thinks it's piquing your interest when all it's doing is just confusing the hell out of you. Yeah. Well, especially because we didn't know the structure going into it. Right. So that first hour, we were like, <laughs> why is Maria Co- Doyle Kennedy being a bitch? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Right. And, uh, yeah. well, I was excited in that first hour. Though. I was like, oh, my God, are they going to spend three hours of them all dying? <laughs> right. That would be great. Yeah. But the, that is... the, the, the fourth episode was just drifting corpses. <laughs> a full hour. No, it's just like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, yeah. A sea odyssey. <laughs> a death odyssey. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, basically it comes out that that guy that we like from Catherine Tate like loves her or something. Right. But like we kind of knew that already. Yeah. Somebody exposited that. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. But they're, uh, they're into each other. And if they had just like... This should have been much more compelling to us than the Paolo and Annie thing because we have huge pre-existing crushes on both actors yeah. involved. And yet it really did almost nothing for well, us. Well, I don't think they're well-matched because yeah. I think he's primarily a comic actor. True. And she's primarily a dramatic actor. Right, right. And there's just a sense that I get from his performance where I feel like he's a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. being put into this particular role. Yeah. And, I, you know, because I, th- you know, he's kind of goofy looking and right. I don't know. And he just, he doesn't have the, the stiffness that I would expect in a valet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think they yeah. try to allude to it because he says, Oh, how many times have you, you know, criticized me mm-hmm. for, uh, not having any standards. Right. But I mean, right. again, we get so little information about these, like, we get too much and not enough information about all of these people. Yeah, yeah. And we don't really care. So let's <laughs> move on. Oh, anyway, she's down there trying to frame Lubov for stealing a brooch. Right. And, and again, in a weird, awkward scene where that, she seems like she's well, about see, to collapse from again, consumption. This is the point, because we get bits and pieces of this storyline all the way through, but none of it ends up going anywhere because, of course, the Titanic sinks and nobody cares anymore. Yeah. As we knew it was going to do from the beginning... So why do we spend all this time with it? Is the because thing. Julian Fellows willed it so <laughs> right? Yeah, like uh, I said this before earlier too. Like if you're doing an existential art film about the pointlessness of human endeavor, then having a bunch of different stories that you know are all going to end in death, like maybe there's a statement there. Yeah, that's just contemporary German cinema, right? Yeah, if that's what this was, I mean, we wouldn't be doing it in this podcast, but it would be a perfectly acceptable thing yes. to do. I would love to see Dust Titanic. <laughs> uh, so then uh, we get another scene of Annie and Paolo, thank God, yes. where he asks her to marry him. Yeah. And she uh, says something to him, is your life always so dramatic? And he says, no, life is beautiful. <laughs> if you lived here at Up Yours Downstairs HQ, you would have heard that. Very frequently over the last two weeks. It's true. Um, so anyway, yeah, but he wants he wants them to get married, and you know he's yeah. got big dreams, and well, she cause, doesn't. Because because it's uh, you know America is a place that you can you can you know go all the way to the top if you're not afraid of hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, you know apparently more true than it is in Britain anyway. So yeah, there's something to that. Sure, yeah. it's very inspiring. Yeah, uh, Paolo is. I yeah. find well because he. 
I don't know. I think it's been very easy to kind of get jaded about the American dream mm-hmm. recently and, and what historically that has represented to people. Right. Um, right. Because there's been such a strong anti-immigrant backlash in this country yeah. that, you know, people have forgotten. And I, you know, I haven't been focused, you know, I don't wake up every day and like think, all right, let's remember about immigrants coming <laughs> to America. Right. But I mean, it really was the land of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you know, and at the time in Britain, you know, there was still a very heavy caste system in place. Oh, yeah. And it existed in America. But as the actress says in a slightly later scene, they just don't care. Right. Right. Yeah, and and well, and that's also, I think that's really the only effective message of this miniseries because you see Paolo being so excited about it. You see that young actress whose name I cannot remember, Dorothy Gibson. Dorothy Gibson, uh, and you see Molly Brown. Yeah, and they're all representative of this new American way of life. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, it's just a historical fact about the Titanic that a whole bunch of the people on it. Just as a whole bunch of people on pretty much every westbound ship for about 50 years there mm-hmm. were people ditching Europe and heading to America yeah. to improve their life. And we uh, say welcome, comrades. That, that's right. <laughs> Let us drink full from the cup of opportunity. <laughs> um. So then we get, oh man, we get the only sexy part of this whole stupid miniseries. It's true. You would really think there would be more sex. <laughs> But again, this is a fellow's joint. So Mrs. Maloney's out looking shell-shocked on the deck. Right. It's like she swore a vow to never focus her eyes directly mm-hmm. on anything ever again. Yeah. Just always staring. Not even off to the side like that. Just straight ahead. Just, yeah. <laughs> she looks like she hears voices. Yeah. Um, anyway, but Lubov comes up behind her and finally is confirmed that they used to knock boots or something back in the day. Right, right. And he's a revolutionary and she wishes she'd been more angry. Uh, but it's, all, it's clear that they're just talking about banging. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then they start making out aggressively. Yeah. Like, it is such a hot kiss. It like, is. just watching it will put the spark back in your marriage <laughs> or your whatever you have going on right now. Right. Uh, oh, it's just, it's very passionate. It's very cool. Yeah. And then, of course, Mr. Maloney comes along to punch Lubov in the mouth and put an end to the fun. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah. everyone. Right. Uh, so then Lubov runs off and Maloney's like, you coward, blah, 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 blah. And his wife's like, he just got drunk and kissed me. He's like, yeah. this is what happens when you put us in steerage. And I was like, <laughs> that was masterfully played. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. It was. No, and I like to think that her thought process right before the kiss was, surely if I kiss another man, God won't punish this entire ship just to punish me. <laughs> and yet he did. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was cool, and that's the last fun thing that happens on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's worth noting at this point that when we recorded this off of ABC in April, there had, in fact, been a deadly boating accident somewhere in the Bay Area, so yes. we kept seeing the commercials for that, and it's not funny. <laughs> It's not funny. We're not. We're crying. Right. That's we're what we're crying doing. right now. If you're related to those people, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I was just like, did just, they make this up? Uh, yeah. Have they been sitting on this story for a week? <laughs> anyway, that's why we never travel by boat. <laughs> right. Strictly. Uh, hovercraft. Hovercraft? Sure. Uh, I was thinking more Zeppelins. Oh, mm-hmm. now you're talking. Nothing bad ever happened to a Zeppelin. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so then they have hit the iceberg, apparently. Because we yes. get uh, Palos down in, the, in his berth. 
Yeah. And he hears it go quiet. Right, right. And so he freaks out and he's like, ah, it's quiet. So they all freak out. And, you know, we get that scene of the guys in the boiler room. Right, right. Um, and then they lock. We already saw them lock Mario in the room, right? That already happened. I believe so, yeah. Okay. It's that, a, I mean, that's, that's the tough yeah. thing about rehabbing at this point because so, I mean, pretty much all of the middle part of this, what we're covering here, right. has already happened. Yeah. Like the scene where uh, the, the kids are trying to get on the boat and they're not going to let him and Thomas Wayne says, you will not. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Thomas Wayne, I was so excited to see him again despite the fact that I hated him and his entire storyline. <laughs> yeah. I was like, way to grow a backbone all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we're back down in the, in steerage and they won't let anybody upstairs. Right. And when Mrs. Maloney finally breaks through and gets on the stairs, she's like looking through the grate. And I just had this thought of her thinking like her whole internal monologue for this is, I was up for Karen Gillum's part in Doctor Who. <laughs> they said it wasn't ginger enough. <laughs> well, ginger, they're bread. <laughs> I don't know how you gingerbread. Oh, yeah, gingerbread. Oh, yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> I'll ginger their bread. Um, I like to think that our inner monologue, well, as long as either him or Luboff survives, I'll be fine. Right, and it's like, do you even care about your kids, like, at all? Like, neither of them seems to pay a whole lot of attention. Well, he does, but yeah. only when he's about to die. No, they're all, they're all, like, they're all around their ankles all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's how i imagine those kids the, i think that's pretty much what they're you know great scre- yeah good for those kids <laughs> yeah so then uh lubov comes up to mr maloney who's been left behind you know this locked right. crate and he's like you know come with me and and uh of course mr maloney priorities perpetually out of whack is like no i hate you you kissed my wife and he's like lubov is like seriously you do not have time for this <laughs> right and then, uh, I don't know, anything else? I think that's where the break that's, happens, That's all I've right? got on that, on the yeah. first hour, yeah. No, and then we get the, you know, we got into the, uh, the next, because they air, this is such a dumb way to air it. Like, it's right. such a clear ratings grab. Yeah. And then, like, it's such a false equivalency. Yeah. Because it's three hours one night, and then one hour the second night. Right. And I'm like, God, after you made me sit through the first three hours, I'd be like, well, I don't really care who dies or yeah. lives. Yeah, I just don't see that. I don't understand that, but, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the announcer's like, they came from all walks of life. And I wish that he said, but Julian Fellows only cared about a few. <laughs> yeah. So when we start, it's back in chaos, and we're kind of seeing, we're checking back in with people. Uh-huh. You know, like the uh, the Earl and Countess of Manton and uh, all that stuff. We're seeing... Um, Mrs. Allison. I looked this up because I remember this actually from the 1996 Titanic. Oh, okay. So the woman who keeps saying, I'm not leaving without my baby, I'm not leaving without my baby. Mm-hmm. That was Mrs. Bessie Allison. Okay. And she had a nanny for her youngest son, Trevor, uh, named Alice Cleaver. And she basically, it's not clear exactly what happened, but basically as soon as the order was given to come, you know, to the uh-huh. second class deck and get on a boat. She took the baby and the other servants and went and got on a boat and right. lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the aftermath of the Titanic, she was misidentified as another Alice Cleaver who was actually a convicted child murderer, despite the fact that this other Alice Cleaver was in prison in Britain at the time. Oh my. 
Yeah. It was really bizarre. And actually yeah. on the Titanic uh, 1996 miniseries, that, they kept that inaccuracy uh-huh. like as part of the thing. Oh, that's um, but the really sad part of that story is that Trevor Allison still died when he was uh, 18 years old. He yeah. only lived 18 years. He died yeah. of food poisoning. Mm. Um, but the, yeah, the rest of his family died because they actually got uh, Bessie and her daughter, I think her name was Lorraine, mm-hmm. onto a boat. But then they heard that, like, her husband was on a boat on the other side or something. And uh, they got off the boat. Oh, man. And never made it onto another boat. Wow. Yeah. So, lesson here. If you get on a boat on a sinking ship, stay on the boat. Yeah. A lesson that will be learned again in the course of this miniseries. Yes, indeedy. Um, anyway, I don't know why I wrote that there. I feel like it came up at some point. Yeah. But... That's, you know, that, I, that happened. I too can repeat history. That's right. Um, I also realized that the lady who plays Mrs. Ashbury something, the one that they don't like and didn't invite to dinner right. at Gotti's Italian restaurant yeah, yeah. Uh, is played by Celia Imry. And I was like, I know who that is. She played Fadge yeah. in A Midwinter's Tale. Which is exciting. That is exciting. And the fact that I didn't recognize her was really unfair on Fadge. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they don't invite them to dinner. And uh, when somebody asks how they kept the Russians away, uh, she says, I just didn't invite them. And then she goes on to say... They're not Russians. Their last name is like Rushby or something. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I, you know, well, whatever it was. You kept talking about Russians. I was like, who are these Russians? I thought they said keep the Russians away. No, they're not Russians. Sorry, um, they don't. I don't. Yeah, again, they don't let Russians in first class. Obviously, I don't care that much. Um, I'm sure the czar could get in. Maybe <laughs> um, we have to see where he falls in the order of precedence. <laughs> right, uh, but anyway, she, she says, "How did you keep the Rushbees away, mm-hmm. or whatever?" And she says, oh, "I just didn't invite them." And goes on to say, "Sometimes the old ways are best," which I believe it's what's going to go on Julian Fellows's tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we find out that uh, good old stupid Georgiana has apparently stopped identifying as a rebel and has been invited to Newport by the Widener heir Ooh, la, la. so that they can presumably get married and make everyone even richer than they already were. Right. Um, yeah, it's somewhere around here that we actually have our little mini scene with Dorothy Gibson. Mm-hmm. Well, I was actually, I was looking her up and uh, it's fairly interesting. She was... The year before that had had her first big starring role in one of the first feature-length pictures made in the United States uh, called Hands Across the Sea. That was a whole historical epic about the American Revolution, and she played Molly Pitcher in it. Uh Um, And she was, at that very early stage, along with Mary Pickford, the highest-paid silent film actress. Uh Uh, Then she was on the Titanic. She survived along with her bridge partners. Uh, and uh, she was on the first lifeboat off, got back, and 29 days after the sinking of the Titanic, released a film that she starred in and had supposedly co-written called Save from the Titanic, in which she appeared as herself wearing the clothes she had worn on the lifeboat. Wow. Yeah. A film which was uh, very well received and which was tragically lost in a fire in 1916. Bummer. Um, But... She did that, again, 29 days after the sinking and kind of had a nervous breakdown and never did another mo- movie again. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that that would kind of do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it was it was really quite quite a story. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and she 
uh, was very widely famous at the time, and only one of her films still survives. Okay. So it was uh, tough being an early... Her and Theta Bara, man. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody knows what they did, really. It was not the information age. It's true. So we did a little poll... Uh, on the Facebook page mm-hmm. about whether people agreed with women and children first or not. And mm-hmm. the sort of the general consensus was that, you know, children absolutely, but like women could probably suck it up. Uh-huh. Um, which is generally my feeling in contemporary times. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. I looked up the history of that tradition. Uh-huh. Uh, it was never written into international maritime law. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people think that it is sort of like the legal thing, but it was just a tradition born out of an act of chivalry uh, on the HMS Birkenhead, uh, which sank in 1952. Uh, I believe that it was part of the British Royal Navy. In 1952? I'm sorry, 1852. I was like... Then everyone traveled back in time. (laughs) Who like, listen, we had this great idea. (laughs) Bonnie, (laughs) we have to go back. Back to the Titanic. Um... So basically, the ship was going down, and the captain put all of the the women and children who were you know family members of the of the crew mm-hmm. on ships, and very very few of the men survived that particular disaster because there was only one lifeboat, mm. and it took a really long time. You know, it took up until the Titanic for there to be enforced regulations regarding lifeboat safety, right? Which to me is insane, considering how often ships went down. Well, I mean, you know, like, just safety in general. Like, people just people just didn't think about it the same way. Yeah. People were just like, well, if the ship goes down, then it was your time. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, you know, Lord knows, like, we still don't have much in the way of mine safety. Like, mm-hmm. it was just a couple of years ago that there was that mine collapse in Utah that killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, it seems so obvious to us now but back then, I think there was just much more an attitude of, you know, life sucks. Sometimes you get killed. Like, yeah. And it's not anybody's fault. Um, so anyway, the phrase itself appeared in a couple of, uh, you know, books of the time. Uh, it was purported to have been employed during the siege of Lucknow, which was part of the Indian Revolution mm-hmm. in 1857. But the actual phrase, women and children first, was popularized by the Titanic disaster. Mm-hmm. And what's actually really interesting about that is that the captain um captain smith never really gave an order to prevent men from getting in the lifeboats mm-hmm. but there was some miscommunication somehow with the crew that the women and children first order meant that men should not be allowed which is why you see so many of the boats being right, lowered right. half full and just all this chaos and um I also so there's a study that was recently completed in April of 2012 um, that historical survival rates actually favor adult men, even in these situations where women and children have been uh-huh. evacuated first. Uh, and part of that reason, especially you know during Victorian times, and I would assume at least for part of Edwardian, certainly this period yeah, yeah. in Edwardian history, um, women's clothing made it very hard for them to swim. Right. And it also made it very hard for them to get out on deck in a timely fashion because their their clothing was so complicated. Right, right, right. A lot of the women would still be dressing when men were already yeah. on deck and ready to go. And yeah. again, you know, it wasn't the law. 
and generally, you know, the order was like, if women and children are there, then they get precedence. Right. right. And um, the Titanic is actually not representative of the survival rates favoring men. Uh-huh. You know, pretty much for this reason, for uh-huh. because of the miscommunication. Yeah. Uh, 74% of the women survived, 52% of the children, and 20% of the men survived. Mm. And it's also interesting to note only four first-class women died. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being Bessie Allison, right, who we right. talked about before. And uh, I think there was only one first or second class child that died, and that was her daughter. Right, right. Um, so obviously, that 50 per- 52% of children. I think it's interesting that it's it's so skewed. You know, 74% of women and 52% of kids, when you consider how many kids must have been on in steerage. Right. Much more than in the upper classes, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just a very heartbreaking statistic. Right. But um, this women and children first mentality was actually held up by a lot of people as a reason to prevent women from getting suffrage Mm. because the conventional wisdom was that men would always put their needs ahead of women. So there was absolutely no need for women to concern themselves with the vote. Yeah. So that that sort of makes sense that, you know, it wasn't intended the way it was carried out. Like it was just like. You know, a man would always be expected to hold the door for a lady. Right. But if there was no lady around, he could still go through the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, what I had sort of been thinking of as women and children first is actually a relatively new idea Mm -hmm. and also isn't really what I thought it was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, still, I think in today's contemporary society, it would be prudent for children to go. Yes. And then I would you know, get mad at somebody for being like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I'm a coward. Like, let's not even, like, if the ship is going down, I am on that boat. I read these things and it's like, you know, Jay Bruce Ismay faced, uh, you know, disgrace for the rest of his life and beyond. It was like, true. Also, he didn't drown in the icy waters of the Atlantic. Yeah. So there's kind of a... Well, like, and ha- and you know, that's why it's kind of fallacious that he and some of the other men who, you know, quote unquote, snuck onto the lifeboats, they were branded as cowards, even though there wasn't any real particular reason for them to be branded as right. cowards. If they'd, you know, if they, if there was evidence that they had shoved a woman overboard mm-hmm. and taken her place, that would be one thing. That's not even, that's ballsy. That's not cowardly. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's so strange and, mm-hmm. and just... That idea is so persistent. I mean, you see it in this miniseries right. when he gets on the boat, everybody's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they are, and you know, and they and they shame that guy who right. posed as a woman. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't support that portrayal because it's so gender essentialist. Like, yeah. I understand that the women of the time might be a little bit appalled by it, or like what you know, people would have had reactions within that time. Right. But the, just the the sense from the filmmakers, you know, both him and James Cameron, I'm like, dude, you don't know. Yeah. Like this is just not a situation you're going to be in. Right. Agreed. Well, and you know, just any time, and it's something I think about all the time when I'm, you know, when we're looking at historical areas. You know, like we talked about with Manor House, we read the things that talk about how people were supposed to behave, mm-hmm. and we we think that that's how they did. And it's it's you know it's a good indication, like it's a very good starting place. But people are always people, and they you know they have individual reactions to individual situations. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know your reaction on Monday isn't going to be the same as your reaction on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't see at any point. Once they get on the ship, we don't see the ship's builder, Andrews, anywhere. Yeah. 
which I'm only upset about because I really like Victor Garber. <laughs> right. And I'm like, what's, you know, how does this suck in comparison? But uh, <laughs> we don't see him. Yeah. That's, ah, uh, that's probably like my favorite scene. Anyway, yeah. let's not, we'll get to it. All right. Um, yeah, apparently while I was busy doing all of that women and children first, I didn't do anything chronological, but then uh, neither did Julian Fellows. So <laughs> oh, right. Boom. I'm not sweating it either. Yeah. Um, I mean, things move pretty fast though. They do. Um, well, see. Annie gets put on a boat. Right. And again, I can't remember how much of this was covered previously, but right, like exactly. but- Annie gets put on a boat and Paolo's like, you know, I didn't even kiss you. And she's like, kiss me in New York. I'm like, dude, don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, again, that story worked. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I like the fact that they had their like 15 minute courtship, like really felt like realistic. And Well, and her and- reactions felt authentic to me. Like, yeah. I felt, you know, because when, you know, spoiler, he dies at the end, you know, she's like, I hope to God he knew I was going to marry him. And I'm like, you didn't even know. But like, you see that in the performance of it. Yeah. You know, her, her uncertainty and her ambivalence colors the affection that she feels for him. Yeah. And the thing is, I think, you know, I think that she was, and I think Uh they were both pretty sure that she was. Uh, Yeah. She was, at, you know, she wasn't, she was going to wait. She knew she had the rest of the voyage, at least, mm-hmm. to think about it. And she was thinking about yeah. it. You know, she probably would have. But, so, yeah, you just, you saw, you did. You saw all that mm-hmm. in, in their performances. Uh, Mrs. Rushby gets her fucking dog back. <laughs> and I well, think she also takes Madeline Astor's dog. I'm very, very, very unclear on who the guy with the mustache is. I think it's John Jacob Astor, Mm. just based on photographs and other portrayals that I've seen. Right. But I just, I still don't understand if that's who that was. Because again, 79 characters. I mean, and not just 79 characters, 79 characters who I'm supposed to know who they are already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that's a fellow's fail. Yeah. Uh, But the, the, the main thing that happens. Again, whether it's happened before or not, I don't know. Uh, to me, is is Paulo rescuing? Uh, yeah, Mario and the other Italian waiters yeah, who got Paolo. locked in a freaking basement of yeah. the ship. Yeah, they did, and and I don't even think that gets enough like attention. Like yeah, how really monstrous doesn't. because yeah. when that happens, two of the guys who are down in steerage keeping the riffraff. Right. From, you know, living. <laughs> like, one of them says to the other one, oh, make sure you let them out. Right. And they don't. Because yeah. it's a riot, and of course... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but so he goes down there, and, and he... Like, Lubov is down there after Lubov kills that guy that's trying... And right. I'm like, dude, seriously? You could have had one less murder on your hands. <laughs> like, he's going down. I think yeah. he was going to kill him or something, but I don't know. I wasn't yeah. paying attention. <laughs> Nor was I, either time. No. <laughs> but anyway, uh, fortunately, Lubov still has a piece of wire that he got right, right. from uh, Lindsay Marshall, whose and, character is named, like, Miss Watson or something. And the lock-picking skills he got from his years as revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So, so he manages to get them out, which yeah. is great, and everyone's yeah. happy for, like, five minutes. Yeah. Um, but the ship is going down rapidly at this yes. point. No, and there's a scene, it's kind of thrown away because we cut to, like, just the very tail end of this, but it seems like uh, Mario was trying to tie together some kind of raft for them. You're, yeah, wherein, like, the ship's going up and, like, was that yeah. them? I couldn't tell if it yeah, actually was that them. Yeah, was them, because it was, it was shortly after that yeah. that they jump off together. We didn't talk about this, I don't think, this happens earlier, mm. but, um, 
I forget which rich guy it is, but the one who's got the foreign mistress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really like that scene where her maid comes in yeah. and is like hysterical. Right. And then he says to his valet, he's like, oh, you know, Julio, let's never be in a disaster with foreigners again. And Julio is like, uh, I'm a foreigner. Yeah. And the motherfucker is implied. Yeah. But, but like, like so cool and like not even like angry, really. Yeah. Like just like, I'm a foreigner, sir. Yeah. What are you going to do? He's about like it? that robot on Red Dwarf. <laughs> Holly. Um, sorry, I just like to drop my British TV cred all over this podcast. As well, you should. There's, there's literally no better place for there it. There really isn't. I feel so safe here with you, cousins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I used to watch Red Green too for my Canadian uh, yeah. cousins. That was Canadian, right? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was. Um. Yeah, but the actual sinking of the ship, I think, goes over pretty well. I agree. It's it's really the only effective piece of the whole thing. And I think, yeah. in part, it's because there is no ship, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just... Because there's good actors. Right. He's got these great actors. Yeah. He's employing, basically, every actor in Britain. Right. I mean, except for all the really good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Look, all the ones that aren't in Harry Potter. Yeah, or on an HBO series. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much. But yeah. he's got everybody else. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Um, and, you know, it's just because you can't, you know, he can't really show the ship going down. And also, I think this is where Cameron whiffed it a little bit, mm-hmm. is that in Titanic, when the when the ship, you know, breaks in half and yeah, goes yeah. down, like, Jack suddenly, like, yeah. is, He's, he's you suddenly know, a naval engineer. Yeah, and he yeah. knows how the suction's going to work and everything. So, like, the element of surprise isn't there. Right, and we don't see anybody on the thing. Like we see a couple people. Like um, the the Batleys are there, and then mm-hmm. the Allisons are there. There's a few people still kind of on deck trying to cling to this collapsible, yeah, uh, lifeboat right. and all that stuff. But I mean, they just you know they they know it's coming, mm-hmm. but they didn't think it would be so soon, and it's yeah. just played really beautifully. Yeah, and the horror of everyone in the lifeboats watching and the reactions and wanting to go yeah. back. Yeah, that all plays out to me better in some ways than it does in, in Cameron's. Right. And I just always like it when like British women get their dander up, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they commandeer the lifeboat. Yeah. And the well, woman's like, I'll take the tiller. Yeah. Well, cause the, uh, you know, low down, low class officer in charge of the thing is like, rah, rah, rah. And one of them says, are you aware that you're addressing a countess? Uh-huh. And he says, I don't care if I'm addressing the king of Zanzibar. And I'm like, dude, this is 1912 England. The king of Zanzibar is way outranked by a countess. Yeah. Like, yeah. get your facts straight. Dude. Like, maybe you should have said, I, you know, I don't care if it's the king of England. And yeah. It, but maybe he would. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. <sighs> but, uh, so yes. I he would care if it was the king of England because that dude was fat and it would imperil the lifeboat. He didn't seem that concerned. <laughs> um,. I'm trying to think of... Oh, well, there's a very heart-rending scene with uh, Mr. Maloney and his daughter. Yeah. Whose name I can't remember. Sheila? Wait, that's Australia. Bridget? (laughs) Mary. Probably it's Mary. (laughs) Um, Enya? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we realize she's the only one of the children whose face has ever actually been in frame. Right. uh, Or had any lines. So clearly she had to die. Yeah. And so she's, it's unclear to me how she got where she got or how he got down there. Right. Right. Cause she, she, they had all gotten on the boat, all the, all the children and the mother. 
and then they were lowering it, and somebody's like, it's too full, it's going to split. And she hears that, and she's like, Mom, it's going to split, we got to go, and she jumps off onto the deck below. Mm-hmm. From there on, we don't know what... Well, it's just unclear know. to me how he gets where he gets and why he can't go back the way that he came. Right. Presumably water. Narrative economy. Right. But, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, you know, it's certainly plausible that people got trapped down to the Titanic. Yeah, and, yeah. And they did. It's so. just a very unclear how this particular group got trapped. And right. Blue Bob is down there somewhere. Yeah. Dying. Sure. Somewhere. I don't know what happened to him. Taking the secret of Peter the painter to a watery grave. <laughs> uh, but it's very sad because it she's, is. you know, she's the one who is afraid of water and, yeah. and the whole thing. And he says, oh, it's going to be okay because we're together now. And I'm going to cry right now. Yeah, it's super. It's so upsetting. Yeah. We're never taking our kids on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Our kids that we don't have yet. Right. But if we have them, we're never taking them on a boat. Yes. Because I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> At least on a plane, it's like it's over. You know? <laughs> yeah. You've got pure oxygen to get you through that. <laughs> On a boat, it's just you and, and, and water and yeah. an adorable moppet. Oh, man. No, it's horrible. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible. Yeah, that was rough. Also horrible. Oh, I just want to say Toby Jones gets no credit. Yeah. He should get so much credit. He should get all the credit. He was Dinklage before Dinklage was Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, if you don't know who I'm talking about. Right. He's not as attractive as Peter Dinklage, and I'll give you that. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, he is just a really talented actor. Mm -hmm. And he may not be strictly a dwarf, so maybe this is a false equivalency. It is, um, but that's all right. Is that offensive? I'm sorry, Dinklage, I didn't mean to insult you. Well, in any case, you know, he is short and was mocked for it by his wife as he was announcing their impending death. Yes. No, because he says, like, I love you. And she, like, doesn't even say, like, the look on her face is like, oh, I tolerate you <laughs> sometimes. Not now. <laughs> yeah, it was like, good Lord. She's what? such an unmitigated bitch. And, like, for, like, yeah. he tries to give women reasons to be bitches, but mm. it never works. Right. When Toby Jones is such a good actor that he makes his character plausible yeah you know yeah anyways so once the ship goes down she dies immediately thank god Mm -hmm. but also it's just terrible yeah again we're never going on a boat (laughs) right because if it sinks and one of us dies like this is the situation that we're in yeah but he's just like he's like devastated yeah by the fact that this horrible bitch that he devoted (laughs) his life to is i know it's Awful, and then like you know the yeah. group, the 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 rowboat full of women who commandeer the rowboat. They right. find him, and he's like clinging to her lifeless body in the ocean. Yeah, and he's like, "It's my wife, you see. I can't leave her, and I'm crying <laughs> for realsies." Yeah, because it's like so freaking sad. It is. I have not been this emotionally manipulated since Armageddon. <laughs> it's terrible. It's pretty bad. Yeah. <sighs> There's also all these dudes clinging to one of the overturned uh, collapsible lifeboats. Right. Um, among them is Mario. Yes. Uh, and he makes a place for Charles Lightoller. I'm going to... God, what? I'm on my period or something. Like, this is insane. Yeah. But, like, um, because Lightoller is the one who got, you know, Paolo on right. the boat. So then... Right. In the only bit of storytelling that works, yeah. um, you know, he's he's swimming and everybody's like, oh, it's full, it's full. And he's like, this is second officer. And he like <laughs> pulls him on the boat. Yeah. And then that one annoying kid that was like, it's all right, mother. I've got my American accent to keep me warm. <laughs> he swims up. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, but they're like, you can't get on. There's no room. But then fortunately for that kid, somebody dies. Oh, right. Uh, so they just shove him off. Yeah. And then they all pray the Lord's Prayer. Because Charles Lightoller's like, well, we're probably quite a mix of worshiping. What is it? Uh, uh, yeah. A mixed bag as far as worship goes. Uh, how's about the Lord's Prayer? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what if I'm Muslim? What if you're what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sam. <laughs> have no more of that talk on this boat (laughs) um so they all say the lord's prayer and i guess it works because they do get picked up (laughs) right by the pontoon Mm -hmm. or what they They get picked up yeah Yeah. they did the pontoon uh but of course they do find uh paolo who is unfortunately dead yeah and then they find uh thomas wayne who's unfortunately not dead (laughs) yeah um there's really no poetic justice in the deaths. There really isn't. And come on, Paulo, much younger and healthier. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Why couldn't both of those brothers have lived, man? Yeah, that would have been way better. If you're going to make shit up. Yeah, well, if you're going to make up these, like, yeah, uh, anyway. No, I mean, nobody got a happy ending no, at all. nobody did. And I mean, I guess that's the way to go, but... Uh, Normally, I hate happy endings. Yeah. But in this case, it felt disingenuous. Yeah. The whole thing was disingenuous. It was. It was. Mm, that's the Titanic for you. Yeah. So I guess that pretty much, uh, I think. Yeah. Well, in case you had forgotten, uh, there's a handy little thing at the end that says 100 years later, the Titanic is still remembered. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why you made this and I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep. So that was Julian Fellows' Titanic. Yep. No stars. <laughs> None. Yeah. Uh, we will never have to watch it again. Oh, thank. I cannot wait to delete it from our DVR. Yeah. I saved it just like in case. Right. right. Something happened. Yeah. We're gonna go delete that. <laughs> All right. And watch Jeopardy or something wholesome. <laughs> so long, Stink Town. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, you know, the thing about it, you know, all I'll say is the only mitigating thing I'll say is I've seen plenty of things I hated worse. Like, ultimately, this was real bad and we had to watch it and and, like podcast it. Yeah, that's true. You know, like if we'd just been watching it, we would have been like, well, that was a forgettable four hours of our lives. We would have moved on. But when you really have to watch something and you have to pay pay attention and look and we did pay attention. We That's did. not why we didn't get the names of people. Yeah. Well, we also, you know, we we're watching it on TV, so we couldn't do subtitles, which yeah, in a yeah. lot of cases is how we find out names. Right, but. right. So I hope you've enjoyed this little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> So I think that's about it. So we'll be back again in uh, two weeks. Don't forget to tune into our Twitter feed at 5 Maggie Smith for our live tweet of the Emmys that's on September right. 23rd, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. We'll see you then. And until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs.